Just uh, let's paint a picture right here. I'm uh, currently petting Rico? a dog named Rico. I'm on a back patio. Oh, Rico's on his belly now. <laughs> With our guest, who is a new dog owner. And it's a beautiful Tuesday afternoon. We're also outside. So if you can hear birds chirping or car horns and stuff like that, we're trying something new today. We've never done a podcast outside while petting a dog. It was so. just too nice. <laughs> Harry had this great setup to be sitting out on the back patio this afternoon. So had to be done. Today's guest is uh, Harry Dearden. He's a longtime friend of mine. We went to camp for many years and just recently just recently connected again. Um, and weird coincidence, but a couple weeks ago, Travis was up north at his cottage and uh, was at some party or day shaker. I, it was more like well, just like, like kind of like a kickback. A little kickback. Ten people hanging out at a party. My friend uh, brought me to on a lake nearby, and uh, he, I saw Harry wearing Kilku shorts. And I know Robbie is, uh, you know, Kilku till I die. What up? What <laughs> up? Graham, Rose Graham. Yeah, spent quite a bit of time there. And uh, we just started talking, and you know, mutual friends came up, and uh, it, it was weird because there was other crazy mutual friends. You were at a cottage at the exact same time. That was best friends with the guys who caught whose cottage I was at with Harry. Where was I again? You oh, were in Balsam with yes, um, uh, with with Daniel. Right. Anyway, yes. we're not even the best story for podcast, but it was a pretty weird coincidence. <laughs> so Harry and I ended up meeting up for coffee because uh, Harry's an entrepreneur, and uh, we we started talking about his app uh, and also about his history. And I was like, "Damn, that's a good story." And uh, you know, a, a week or two later, he's on the podcast. So I think. You know, and uh, the the, re the rest is history. Yeah. Should we get into it? Let's get into it. Um, party on, Rico. Uh, party on, Rico. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say Rico? <laughs> Let's go. Holy shit! I hate those guys. Somebody help these twenty. It's time to figure it out, Ricky. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. Don't fucking touch me. Harry, what's up? What's happening? Robbie, my man. First of all, it's been too long. How long has it's it been since you guys seen each other? Um, like face-to-face like -face or via Facebook stalking? Face-to-face, FaceTime to FaceTime. Well, we uh, saw each other maybe about a month or two ago when there was this oh, kill yeah, coup. the alumni event. Yes. And you picked up, I think it was a buffalo chicken wrap. With I th a nice it was a souvlaki, a chicken oh, a souvlaki, souvlaki. Chicken exactly. souvlaki. Yeah, I was like, wow, how distinguished of a man to order a Mediterranean dish <laughs> you know what? in a very Scottish uh, Irish bar. Rob, Rob I, I, has a palate, and he, he like <laughs> he really tries new flavors and stuff like that, and it pisses me off because I get the same thing every time. And Rob always has to consider the menu, ask questions. I'm like, fucking order. <laughs> Trav just said to me this morning, he's like, if I could just take a pill that would fill me up for the day and get every nutritional need out of it, I would take it. Yeah. Like, he has yeah. no palate whatsoever. I, like, I'm working on it, but, um, like... What, working on the pill to allow you to no, suppress no, all no. your hunger I, and I'm desires I'm working on the palate. Like, don't get me wrong. When I go to a restaurant, I get something good and I enjoy it. When someone cooks me good food, my sister's fiance and my dad are both chef, like, like uh, hobby chefs. Yeah. And I'm the first guy to get in there to, you know, try it, let them know what's up. But... I've never not liked anything, so maybe I just like you know maybe that's why they give me stuff. I'm always giving good reviews, but the um, during the day I don't want to go through that hassle. 
I want food to be a treat. I want it to be like, oh, a restaurant or like, a, you know, but during the day I'm like, oh, breakfast. Yeah, uh, you just want you sustenance. Know. I just want just sustenance, like, oh. yeah. I hate how, how much I have to eat. You know what it is? It's from a childhood of being borderline. <laughs> wait, wait, let's just talk about how <laughs> this past weekend I discovered <laughs> one of Strav's favorite dishes as a child. <laughs> oh, my God. I had such a weird childhood. <laughs> oh, yo, let's go toe for toe. We're going to go toe for toe? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. okay, so my mom... Uh, used to feed me pasta with mayonnaise on it. Come yeah. on, yeah. How? Okay, yes. okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this one out. So I, as a child, voluntarily would eat baby carrots, ketchup, okay, with no. extra salt. That is not that bad. I don't know. I think that's pretty odd when like your mom, who's strange. essentially like a big time like stuffed peppers like that's the whole thing beef wellingtons mm. all that fun stuff and you're dipping carrots and in i ketchup? was just like but did it <laughs> did you know it, it was weird at least because i didn't know it was weird <laughs> and then fast forward a bunch of years Travis i get to university, university. <laughs> yeah, i'm living with people for the first time and like they were like yeah let's whip up some pasta you know what should we put on it and, oh, you know, no. yeah, and i'm just like oh like mayo and they're like what the fuck did you just say <laughs> you guys want some mayo on your pasta? oh my god i don't even know who would be offended like italians or just i think everyone should be offended by that what you guys don't like well, mayo? Yeah, I, I, like, <laughs> I, I i didn't know any better i thought i thought that was just a topic you get fed it as a kid and not only that i developed a love for it so now it's like a dish that like maybe once or twice a year i'll, I'll talk to my mom I'll be, I'll be like why don't we ha- why don't we make a little uh Pasta mayo, just you and me, you know? <laughs> just the like the McKenna <laughs> It's actually pretty smart if you think about it because it's like, you know, it tastes good cold because that's a pasta salad. Right, right. So it's very versatile in that sense. I get it. But my, guess, my next question is do you have like specific brands, like brand name mayos you go for? Like, are you a Hellman's um, or are you like a Miracle Whip? Are you a no name? You know, I'm a bit of like, a mayo snob. Um, <laughs> you're a palateless freak. That's what you are. <laughs> oh my god! Thank you, Robbie. I've only known Trav for two weeks, and I, oh my god. Um, you know what? I get. I got enough made fun of it for it. But you know what? It's just who I am, and I'm gonna keep eating pasta mayo at least once to twice a year till the day I die. Oh, that's your God-given right. When yeah. you live just, to the age of 112, don't invite me over any of those. People are gonna ask, sir. How have you been able to maintain your figure and in, in, in life so long? If if people aren't barfing in their mouth enough yet, I also add pasta or mayo to craft uh, dinner in pasta sauce. Sometimes when I when I want to, you know, load on the uh, cholesterol and holy shit, that is heaven. <laughs> Payo mayo, sorry, in KD. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Bring a tear <laughs> to your eye. Bring it here. Look at that. Rico turned away. He's just trying to look away from me right now. I bet Rico would that. eat this stuff. But you know what? That's enough about my weird history. Um, let's get into your weird history. Oh. Yes. Because it, it is it, it was a journey. We sat down the other day for a coffee, and we ended up... You could write a novel. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? That, I like it, though, when coffees end up being, like, an hour and a half, like, real good, like session like good listening going on and stuff so i appreciated that we took you took me down a path and it all started with you know what do you want to go uh tarantino on this back to front back to front oh my god we're i don't to, think my, I yeah, think my brain would melt if we tried that <laughs> but hey you, you lead the charge <laughs> or like well, we, start, we started talking about your app yeah and and that's how we started going backwards oh, towards your story right, do you know I'm what i'm at, saying yeah, i don't I'm mean like now. go chronologically back to front necessarily but yeah, so no, I'm not a maths guy. So not not into the maths. Um, so you have an app. You've made have an app. 
a web-based app. Yeah. Tell us about it. It's very cool. Uh, so it's called Smalltalk, and essentially it, I made it for myself at first um, because it's an app that allows you to capture how you feel wherever you are, whenever you are. So imagine Snapchat, but with a more um, pervasive uh, means of sharing who you are with your therapist. What's pervasive mean? Pervasive meaning? For the listeners, not for me, obviously. <laughs> very sorry. <laughs> when I say pervasive, I mean in the sense that you can use your uh, camera, your microphone, you can uh, text, you can doodle. Uh, so it's really any way you communicate, you can do that on this app. Um, and then these entries are then made, and they can be of anything, honestly, anything you want. Um, like one kid's just for trial runs, he just used emojis. And he used that Easter Island Stonehead emoji. Which? Do you know the Stonehead one? Easter Island, those big stone big noggins stone with the big noses. You know what? Oh, no. yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. It's okay. like the one that nobody uses, but it looks cool because it's, yeah. And yeah. So they don't have skateboarders. They don't have... Uh, but they have stone heads. You know what I mean? Like, what a weird emoji service they have. Yeah. No skateboards. It's just coders, though. They get they get to do that, though, right? right? Because coders don't have secrets. Apple is set to release 70 new emojis yeah. this year. So brace yourself. That's huge. Okay. That's huge. Okay. So, again, you could use it. those 70 emojis, potentially, mm. just to describe yourself. And I asked this kid, hey, why do you use that stone head uh, emoji? And uh, he's like, oh, well, it just means that I'm not I'm numb. I'm just a rock. And I'm like, shit. That's deep. That's so cool because it's just beyond language, but emojis can just codify how you feel. Mm -hmm. And if you're able to then reshare that again in person with a therapist, a loved one, a friend, counselor, what have you, that's progress. Right. Right? Because so many people forget in the times of which, like a therapist session in Ontario and Quebec on average is 45 minutes. And it's once every two weeks. A lot can happen in a day I'm with rapid cycling bipolar so yeah so, just explain a little bit about what that means and so what that means is I essentially have highs not all manic highs but hypo uh, hypomanic so getting up there and then I'll have a depressive uh, episode within sometimes days of one another uh, weeks of one another but essentially rapid cycling means that I'm just going back and forth back and forth and there's no consistency so the consistency for me is inconsistency it's almost in a way organized chaos um the way in which i feel and again when i'm in my highs it's kind of like uh, uh paranoia mm -hmm. so i feel as though people are going to try and kill me um i feel as though i need to be a vigilante and kill others um and you record this stuff in your app well he was saying well. he built it for himself because yeah. he, he was rapid cycling and yeah like i, I still yeah and so that's the thing so i still am and so when I initially thought about this app, what I was doing was I was writing down. I'm a writer. I mm -hmm. come from a family of speech writers. Mm -hmm. And so that's just how I was wired, just to write, write, write how I'm feeling, write uh, very action-based verbs, uh, emotion, what have you. And uh, yeah, and I, would, I presented this all to Paul, my therapist, yeah, it's fine. There's so many Pauls in the city. Yeah, named therapists. Well, I just want to be named. Yeah, it's fine. I don't care. Um, and he probably doesn't care. What's <laughs> what's, Paul's, what's Paul's last name? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Middle name, social insurance. What, what do you got? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I like gave them to to him, and he's like, Harry, this is great, but I don't understand this gibberish, this jibber jabber. You need to tell me what this is. And so that's kind of when I had my idea click, and I know that. How long ago was this, roughly? Um, so I uh, started small talk in my master's 
at Ryerson. I was initially going to look into digital governance because I'm a policy dork. That's politics. Well, I mean, yeah, that's your thing. You're involved in politics. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I still am. And I was working at Queens Park um, during all this. I actually had my first like manic episode. So it, it was it was to the level of which my dad had to come into the city, drive an hour and a bit and get me. And I don't remember it. So you blackout when you have these manic episodes? Well, it's I don't like to say blackout. It's more so like uh, I guess you could say blackout. But yeah, for can me, you describe? It's more like a, a trauma. Oh, the, so okay. in the sense of like I don't remember my childhood because I lived in a somewhat weird household. Let's put it that yeah, way. In the sense the of least. like my mother, she um, suffered from an extreme case of depression, uh, self-medicated, drank a fair bit. Uh, there are times where in which. Um, like she would steal from me, be it money out of my account. She'd ask me to buy uh, drugs and alcohol for her. Um, like prescription or, or not? No, like weed. Yeah. Um, she never asked for Coke or anything at that point yeah. because the thing is, she already had all those drugs stored up because she would essentially not take them and then just take them all of a sudden and then be on a wicked ride. Um, and so the volatility, I grew up with that. And so. Yeah, I remember you telling me about this, which seems so crazy because it's not like. Like you're, you, you come from a good family in terms of like financially and stuff like that. So the fact that your mom would even be taking money from you and stuff like that always surprised me. But I guess it's because your dad probably would have had control over the finances. Well, or and that, and that's exactly it. Because whenever mental health is spoken about, I feel as though people don't really realize it's the idea of control. Mm-hmm. Be it self-control is one thing, but the control, the autonomy to be like, I have a job. I have responsibilities. I have a dog to take care of. Like my mother, she loved dogs so much. We nearly bought, uh, uh, she went on and on about wanting to get a llama because we had so much space. But we knew that was just a lunacy, like that's just lunacy, right? Like they spit and it's just like, they'd eat up all the grass. And so, but again, it, it's just like- Not fit for our household. Yeah, exactly. But again, that's that's what I grew up with, you know? And like, yeah, they were, like I call her mother, the majority of the time because she wasn't the mom in the sense of the 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 Mm -hmm. feel the nurturing and the feel of of that which is so funny because paul by kurt my therapist was her therapist that is so weird i remember you telling me this story and so it this is a crazy thing too so i actually had to tell uh paul apologies to the audience i guess uh we should say a consumer warning here but my mother uh died by suicide in Mm. my final year my undergraduate um and i went back from carlton uh, or sorry, up in Ottawa, down to Waterloo, and we were in the ICU with her for I think it was. Uh, was it? It an was like January to March. Was it like an overdose? Well, that's a thing. Well, or so like an overdose. Actually, no, so here's like, a kicker. Yeah. And so the attending doctor, uh, when we all finally got in there, he had the, the gall, the tenacity to say, "Oh, it looks like she uh, made herself an antifreeze cocktail." Yeah. Kidding. Yeah. And that's the thing. So the whole idea of like at that point in time We have to give that doctor like doctors see this type of stuff. Oh no, no, no that's the thing they like do. They're so numb to it. As the the calluses, yeah. the emotional calluses yes. they build. Yes. You're definitely right, Travis. And so but for me I was just I was like really frustrated that moment in time. But then when I realized it from the like forty, fifty, sixty plus days we were with her, like from eight in the morning to six at night every day my sister and i and my as well as my dad i realized that he was the only one that had the the confidence to actually tell it what it is right no other nurse no other doctor said oh it was suicide no one said it except for that one doctor except for that one doctor 
Which was which was was the truth after all. Which was the truth. And so for me, I never for not not having that closure right away. For me, it's so different. I I, I don't wish to ever experience this nor put anybody else in this experience but one in which a, a suicide happens and at least there's a conclusion to it it's like yes you know they died that's mm-hmm. it my and mother my mother didn't die she's in a essentially a coma and her kidneys and her liver were shutting down because the antifreeze were they were uh, crystallizing throughout her brain and slowly like knocking her out oh, in sh- that sense it was actually antifreeze yes yeah yeah, yeah. well uh, that's that's what we, that's the thing it's never been said aloud yeah right and so but and, and again it's just like it's so odd how long how long was that period so that she was in she was icu yeah mm-hmm. i want to say it was so january 9th i believe was when i got the call from my dad and that was the first time i heard my father cry um uh, and I think she passed, I want to say, oh gosh, this could be terrible if I don't remember this correctly. I think it was March, mid-March. Mm-hmm. Um, or, yeah, I want to say mid-March. Because that's kind of the end of the undergraduate year, right? Yeah? Yeah, um, mid, yeah. Or April? yeah pretty much. Early April. April. Early, early April, April is kind of when exams start It might have been in. early April then. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was so funny, because I started my treatment for... Uh, bipolar the day that she died and so it's just like seeing those windows i have a um like a plastic bag full of all the drugs i've taken ever since that day and like prescription prescription Mm -hmm. be it lithium be it ciprolex be it uh, oh god the other three have really long names but i would have no idea what these drugs do but that's the thing so but it's so dependent on the case right so because for those who are with bipolar sometimes they need uh they take an anti-convulsive i'm also not a doctor so Mm -hmm. um or they take an antipsychotic sorry what's an anti-convulsive well it's seizures for okay because some brain activity that's caused uh that may not be a full-fledged seizure it could be almost an emotional one at that so, but again, I'm not a doctor. This is just through lived experience. I should have, that should have been the precursor. Mm. Now, you know. And did you know that your mom was seeing Paul? Yeah. Okay. So but it Paul was. Paul didn't know you were her son. No, no. So Paul knew that I was her son, but oh. Paul didn't know that A, she died by suicide. B, that she was a heavy drinker. Uh, and so she kept that from her therapist? Yeah. Really? Well, that's the thing. My, f- that side of my family, I don't really know, like I, I met my grandparents on my dad's side like a handful of times. I met uh, my mom's parents a few more times, but that's the thing. We were never close. Like we were just us, the nuclear family. So my dad, mother, uh, Annie, myself, and as well as the our dogs. The nuclear family. What a weird, what, well, not weird. What a, what an interesting picture. You know what I mean? Sorry. Mm-hmm. I only say nuclear because it's, it's, that's very much the, no, um, that's, like, a, that's, like, a, that's a, that's a, good description that's, yeah. Yeah. that's how they refer to it in like yeah, sociology yeah yeah, yeah. Terms, so that's right? like the demographic yeah. way of going about and that's the thing like when you look on the outside as you said right like financially stable mm-hmm. um white um in suburbs country um sent both their kids off to camp sent them off to a good school every year mm-hmm. but there's trouble but that's the thing mental health doesn't discriminate it's right we're all love mental health but it's that when the mental illness comes into play that's really that's really what happens. So, so, do you think mental illness is hereditary, or do you think it's from your, the experiences of of your childhood? Oh golly! So, from my experiences, I think it is hereditary. Um, 
and yeah, I think it is experiences of my childhood. Um, like there are points where I was told that I had to rip my mother off of um, my sister and I had a fight with my mother in the front yard. I don't remember that. Like a scrap. Yeah. Like I remember times where in which I would get into a car, be it my car, be it my dad's car, be it what have you, and just drive off to get away from the house and just sleep. So Maybe not a full night, but like so much so that I can sneak back into the house feeling safe. Not safe, but... So do you think you had these episodes before you were diagnosed well, with so bipolar? Before you didn't really know? That's a good point. Well, it's interesting because from what I've read and from what my uh, psychiatrist has told me, bipolar tends to be diagnosed very late in your life. So either late 30s, early 40s. Really? Yeah. Um, because people just think of it as the norm, as, as to who they are. But for me, I had that combination of that of my mother's experience as well as my uh, self-harming as well as uh, drinking at an early age. Um, I think uh, grade t- eight was when I started consistently drinking as well as self-harming just to have, get some sort of expression or whatnot. Mm. So I need to give a shout out though to Rico. Is just being the greatest boy right now, and he, Trav is just petting the heck out of him. And he's I've been loving petting every Rico for the last twenty minutes. Rico is <laughs> Rico is a recent a chill, rescue from Puerto Rico, dude, and super chill dude. And so small talk, small talk, yeah. Your solution to your mental health issues to help with your therapy was to create an expressive app yeah. where you can capture your feelings yeah. and then when you go to therapy you can go back through your logs and remember the experiences because whatever it is whether it's doodles that works for you or emojis that's the best way for you to recreate the feeling and you're and you can say it then to your therapist and boom you're getting better treatment yeah. in your 45 minutes i thought it was such a cool idea a great idea and wasn't uh, last time we were chatting you were talking about having small talk directly link to your therapist so they can see what's going on day to day or, or some yeah, sort of form so of connection that's I guess, that way right yeah no you're right Robbie uh, I think it was kind of my uh, naivete if you will um, indulge me I thought it'd be a brilliant idea to have small talk these entries these logs as Travis uh, uh, mentioned be sent directly to a therapist or a peer counselor or psychiatrist whoever you see but then I realized, uh, not only among my own self-discovery, but as well as talking with therapists, talking with people who would be technically on the other end, they've realized that the liability is huge. Because if there's some sort of entry where in which there's uh, self-harm or yeah. there's, there's certain damage that's, that cannot be undone, and that person didn't react in that time, so the, mo- the moral weight but as well as the legal weight behind that is just so immense. And it's it's not practical. When you really yeah, think about exactly. it, for a therapist that sees how many tens of patients to have a constant ideologue, especially with some people that yeah. probably have mental illnesses that cause them to like rapid fire these logs. Well, and that's the thing too, because I wanted small talk, as you said, to be so open-ended, mm-hmm. right? You can make as many entries in a day. You can make as many um, entries in a week, month, what have you. But it's so long as you're able to convey how you feel so that you don't have that doorknob moment when you're leaving the therapist or when you're leaving the session. And you're being like, like, oh. be like ah, dang it. That's I what I wish I, I had talk- spoke about this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it's, again, it's the efficiency of the system. I don't think our system will ever be solved in regards to the way in which we go uh, about face-to-face therapy. Um, but you, it could be far more efficient. 
I think. Mm. We, I think there could be tools that could be added so that the face-to-face interaction is so much more impactful than that of what it currently is. I bet the... So, like, the general feedback from small talk in your personal experience and dealing with Paul has probably been really good. Uh, so Paul far? Loved, yeah, Paul loves it. He's a little cheerleader, uh, to say. Um, <laughs> but, no, that's the thing. When I talk to people about it, everyone says that they love it, which is great. But it's so tough, as Travis, as you know, and Robbie, as you know, as an entrepreneur, how do we keep this sustainable? How do we ensure that our services can be really uh, well-kept, but also consistent in the delivery of it? And so for me right now, small talks at the point where in which, yes, we've been fortunate enough to raise $54,000, I want to say, wow. um, which is great. Uh, and I'm very happy. That's huge. Shout out Congrats, to Ryerson. Man. Shout out to the Social Venture Zone at Ryerson. Um, it's tough, right? Because now I'm trying to work with a bank and I'm going into a two-year, uh, what could be a two-year clinical trial, at least a minimum year-long uh, clinical trial with TELUS Health, Queens, um, as well as my developers and whatnot. And so I was just trying to find the funds for that, for the sustainability but as well as to still keep a roof over Rico's head. Because mm-hmm. it's all about Rico. You could live on the street, but Rico, no, no. I pay $700 for Rico's dog food. <laughs> a month? No, a week. A week? Yeah, he gets the finest Kobe beef. Rico, what the hell, dude? It's marinated actually, in... Wow. Actually, no, I got a really good deal at No Frills with dry food. I got like a big like bag that's usually 45 or 35 bucks for uh, 10 bucks. My weekly groceries nice. are like 200 <laughs> Rico's eating good. Yo, I treat Rico it's good. Important. Rico's the Rico's the face of this uh, family right here. Comes so, over yeah, here. So you got to show him what Canada's all about. Exactly. So it's pretty interesting that not only do you have you know the issues that you're working with and this was a solution for you, but now that it is a business, you have to run this as a business now and it's become much more than just a solution to your problem. Well, that's exactly it, yeah. And I think part of the reason why we also wanted to chat was to talk about how someone who's just coming out of their master's yeah. starts an application. You know, h- how do you get that kind of funding from Ryerson and how do you uh, how do you find developers? What pa- like what does that yeah. whole process look like for people that want to start? Well, and that's a kicker too. I was very fortunate with my master's program because it's very applied. It's almost collegial in that sense, right? Where in which it's a trade mm-hmm. and it's entrepreneurial. Like it teaches you business practices, lean methodologies, all that fun stuff, pivoting, all all that jargon and whatnot. But I, I learned in life that you just got to ask. You got to bother. You can think about it all you want, but you know what? You'll be the only one who knows what you're thinking. Nobody else does. Um, and so for me, I was kind of caught in that trap for so many years. Um, that's why I went to politics. Like my parents went into politics. I love politics currently right now, but when I was working, I was doing like constituency work for like really boring, dry stuff, and I didn't feel fulfilled. Um, but I'm fortunate enough, I, I have the affordability um, to do what I want. And if I squander that opportunity, then I'm a silly Billy. <laughs> <laughs> I have the same feeling. I think Rob does too. Yeah. Definitely silly Billies if, if we don't take advantage of the opportunities we've been given or the time that we have right the time now. that we have right now exactly it 
I think that's the biggest asset right now. So you were in your master's. So yeah, sorry, I was in my master's and I was a little bit of what you uh, could say a social, I was a social butterfly in the sense that I wanted to know people. I just Mm. wanted to, it's an unconventional learning method to be in your master's, right? Because you kind of have what you want to learn and study on before going in. Uh, And so for me, I kind of did that. Mind you, it was a little bit more political geared, but I still went to all these events that I would never think of going to, be it like learn how to code or what have you. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I just, I really just started to know people. You used to have a radio station with Drew, right? Didn't you as well? Um, No, I don't think that actually ever happened, sadly. Uh, Drew had a great radio station though. Oh, I thought you were Uh, part of that. No, well, As I would well. call in once in a while just okay. to see if they're still awake. <laughs> like they a listener, the, first time caller. <laughs> <laughs> well, because they had like the, I don't know what shift you call it, like the, you should not be awake shift, because they were essentially like <laughs> three to four in the morning. Okay. And I would just make sure that it just wasn't like flies flying around the room or whatnot. Drew, you there? So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> shout out to Drew Ruddy. I think he works actually now at a station down in Hamilton. No um, shout I out think to he Drew works Ruddy. for Chorus. Yeah, I of course. Believe. Yeah, sorry. Yes. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, I, it was just about being engaged. Like the idea of networking is so silly to me because I think about it as connecting two points and then nothing, there's no byproduct of that. So it's more so about relationships. So it's all about making a great first impression, which is as like token as that sounds, like you really got to know your audience. Like if I had it my way, I would wear uh, cords and all the sweaters every day of the year. But A, Canada's temperature in the summer doesn't allow for that. And B, I would look like uh, too much of a weirdo in regards to <laughs> some business investors. And the winters also don't allow for that. Yeah, and the winters <laughs> don't. There's yeah, really yeah. no season for yeah, that. A couple good. months in fall and spring. <laughs> well played, Canada. Um, but yeah, no, it's really about just getting to really know people. Because once I finished my master's thesis, which was essentially a prototype of my app, as well as a business plan, as well as a paper, um, like I stayed up nights and nights and nights to get all this stuff done. And I did this all myself. Um, I then realized like, okay, well, I'm not just gonna let this sit on the shelf and gather dust. And so I went to an incubator. The DMZ Mm -hmm. turned me down makes sense you need to be revenue generating and then the number one university incubator uh in the world um is ryerson uh is the dmz the at DMC. Ryerson. yeah wow i didn't know that yeah yeah i think they were just appointed that um uh per the twitters um, The twits. <laughs> but no and then i went to another incubator that trav and i had that coffee mm-hmm. at the social venture zone and they just they said we love it let's go for it and then through them i asked okay where's the funding and this Where is still at Ryerson, though. This is all still at. Well, this is out. This is when I finished my thesis. I know, but the, the but I stayed at Ryerson. Essentially. Right. That, that's what I'm saying. The uh, the social venture incubator is one of uh, what twelve I think different. Twelve, I want to say at least at twelve. Ryerson for yeah. for different businesses and different divisions yeah, to different go industries. for. Yeah, different industries. Yeah, like be it fashion, be it science discovery, be it engineering. Twelve like, different yeah. incubators. Yeah, it might be of the DMZ. Yeah, it might to- be. Wow. Yeah, it might be more than a baker's dozen. And keeping honest with you folks who are listening, but Ryerson um, is a major leader in entrepreneurship. Exactly. When I was in the incubators at Western with Rist and Rye, yeah, the reference was DMZ. Yeah, the reference was how do we become this? Where? Do we, how do we get to Ryerson's? I level? had no idea yeah. they were that big. Oh no, that's well. That's why I did my masters because my masters was essentially zones with entrepreneurship, creativity, and business acumen or technology rather. Sorry, and. Um, 
Rico's just scurrying around. Um, hmm. But no, yeah, that, that gave me great insight as to what I wanted to do and how I could initially start it. But then again, when you need to ask so much, right? So yes, you apply for the, the zone. That's great. But I need funding. I need how do help. I get funding? How, how do I find funding? Yes. And so for me, it was great that the incubator was there. But also along this whole time, through my master's program, I was actually hired out by Movember to do all their social, not to do all their social media, but to do their Canadian social media, which was yeah. like, which is all right. I don't really like social media, but if it pays the bills, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's the thing you have to realize this, the sweet spot is being able to work in the space uh, as well as build in the space that you wish to be in, right? So work in the sense of being paid and then build your passion project of that space. Because for me with Movember, I was then able to bridge across to uh, the Canadian Mental Health Association, back to Ryerson, over to Renaissance House, back to Movember. It's just once you get yourself in that web, you got to be active in it, right? And and that's the thing. Like tomorrow, I'm having... Is it t- yeah, tomorrow morning I'm having coffee with this guy where I'm essentially going to be asking for a job with the Movember uh, to bring global innovation, to have an office in Canada, to have an agent or someone like me to be working on that portfolio in Canada because it's currently only in the UK. I have a certain set of skills, a very special set of skills, if you will. <laughs> Neeson <laughs> reference? Shout out Liam. Um, <laughs> but again, like it's just all about asking. And creating an opportunity so that they can't say no. Okay, so you, you're asking, you're, you, uh, you found funding through this incubator, you applied through the Social Venture Zone, as well as some government or some individual investors. So no, I'm still the sole proprietor. Um, or grants. Oh, grants me, yeah. yeah. So, so I, I, sorry, what were you going to say, Robbie? Your, your current funding up to date has come through Ryerson. your experience through Ryerson. Oh, correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, which is huge. Which I can't mm-hmm. be more grateful for. And I still wish to, I wish to pay it forward, if you will, with Ryerson again. So, 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 you, so you had your app idea going to this incubator, just a business plan, just a thesis, and a paper, no revenue. No. Oh, they knew that I couldn't get revenue mm-hmm. for at least four years. And no, and no working model even. Like, well, I had a prototype, which was kind of like the uh, um, framework that you showed me. Like, yeah, the, it's kind of like a clickable. Like, this is what it would look like. This is how it would operate. But this no is coder, no nothing. Oh yet. no, no, I did that myself. Mm-hmm. Just through a simple prototype program. So you had this app idea, you had a prototype and a business plan. How did you find a coder and how did you go about building an app? Yeah, and so that's actually the really awesome thing because uh, shout out to Dr. Kelly McShane uh, of Ryerson. Uh, she a dope name. Uh, actually, we met at the Social Venture Zone just talking. Yeah. She's like, hey, I would love your input on this Renaissance project I'm working on. I said, okay, sure, great. And so we went to their developer's designer's office, which was uh, Pivot Design. Shout out Pivot Design. Um, A lot of shout outs this episode. Yeah, I'm throwing (laughs) shout outs. Y'all better accept it, all right? Um, Is that like Pivotal Labs? No, that's not Pivotal Labs. They're another one. But so Pivot, uh, they actually specialize in health-based technologies in terms of designing it, building it out, what have you. And I just hit it off with Ian who's the founder there and he's not not only have I hired them to build out as well as co-design small talk with um, but he's an advisor and I actually spoke with them at the edit design conference um, again so many of these opportunities people say that everything happens in threes I, I like to say everything happens it just happens if, if you work at it, it just pours down 
like a thunderstorm, if you will. And so, um, yeah, I've just been fortunate that I've got an umbrella. And can you talk a little bit about your, what was the process like to get into the incubator originally? So the process itself, um, like so how I, I, you have to pitch, right? It's kind of like a very relaxed dragon's den, if you will. Right. A forgiving dragons. Yeah, yes. forgiving. Yeah, exactly. You've been through the same experience as well. I'm not yeah. sure if the they exactly line up together, but I'm no, no. It's probably the same experience, right? It, like very to get into, Western, yeah, yeah, you had to essentially pitch your project or pitch your work. Except the Western one was not a focused social venture zone. It was an every business. Right. It was more so zone. all encapsulating, yes. oh, which okay. I think could also be a great benefit because the one critique that I have to Ryerson in regards to the numerous zones that it has, they're silos. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard to uh, meet other folks because there are no events that bring everyone together. Like for me, I still like to keep being that social butterfly and I'll just like walk over to the science discovery zone and see what awesome stuff they're working on. I don't understand a good 80% of what they say because science is not my forte, but I just love the way in which they think Mm. and what they create. No, yeah. So it's it's you basically put in an application with your yeah. business, a business plan, usually some form of basic info. Then, if you make it past that round, you go to a pitch. Yeah. And if you pitch uh, in front of some judges and you win the the grants, um, you can also still work in these spaces. A lot of times, without the grants, like you can get access. Oh yeah, you don't necessarily need to have funding right off the bat to be in an incubator. And and in okay. fact, that's the best way to get funding is we worked out of the incubators and met everyone and, and learned what it really took to get inside before we applied. And that's well, a kicker too because incubators are set any sort of investment, be it a fiscal, be it a, a workspace, be it what have you. They essentially did a risk management on you, right? They did an assessment as to whether or not what's the success of your company. It may not be 80%, may not be 50, may not be 40, but with every sort of um, accruement of um, funds, spaces, partnerships, marketing, branding, what have you, these partnerships, that value increases because more and more people are willing to invest in you because they know, oh, well, hey, Greg, that guy wears a collared shirt and he invested in you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to follow them. So do they, do they give you access to these, to these VCs who are like, I mean, because fifty, so you said fifty-four thousand yep. dollars so far that has been raised uh, for small talk. Yeah, I mean that wasn't handed over to you in one check. That's over a period of time, right? Of oh no, of, no, of sorry. So yeah, that's that's a a total out of I want to say three uh, funding okay uh, avenues, and that's the thing. So each uh, each grant, as we're just called going to call them grants because it's easy. Mm. Um, there's of course a list of rules. So you have to do, be it like bi-monthly check-ins, you have to do a monthly report, you need to do what have you. And so all of these change in regards to who's giving you the money, right? Yeah. Um, Because if it's a newer program and you're receiving money from them, they probably don't know what they're doing and keeping honest, right? Because they're new. I've been through a brand new incubator. Once, <laughs> so so if you're if you're passionate about the project that you're working on and the company that you're trying to build and you keep up with these monthly checklists, doing you, you get the rest of the checks. Th- then you yeah, then, then you keep getting a, the funding. It's essentially sorry, I should have said status reports. Yeah, yeah right. Okay. And so for one, uh, the Ryerson's uh, I, I want to say School of Chang's uh, accessibility fund. I write up uh, about maybe two two and a half page. Um, report as to what I've done over the month 
if I've spent money, if I'm still holding the money, where I'm spending the money, just to let people know. Oh, they follow up with you yeah. of how the but, but again, where the grant is different spent. for every incubator. Exactly. Like, yeah. Well, it's not even different for like it's different for every fund. Yeah. Right? Because even if you go into like a series A or or even VC or angel investors, they could be very hands-on, they could be very hands-off. Like it, it, it really depends on the network you're with and where you're getting the primarily where you're getting the money from. Um, so you got some funding and you chose to go with, I remember instead of making an iPhone app or an iOS app, you actually wanted to make it a web-based app so that people could access it online, on, on well, any phone, on any device. Yeah. What, what was like the general pathway process, kind of basics of the cost of getting a coder to build that for you, J- just like in a, in a, a, a small summary? Right off the bat, way cheaper to create a web-based app. Than an iPhone-based? Because you can always optimize it visually to look like an app, mm-hmm. right? Just add it to your home screen, boom, you're done. Um, so way cheaper that way. And with a web-based app, what you can do is you can essentially then duplicate it so that you have an Android or a Google Play app, and then you have an iOS app. iOS apps tend to be a lot more expensive right off the get-go. Um, Android or Google Play apps, rather, um, a lot more fun for the developer. And you always want the developer on your side, mm-hmm. quite frankly. Um, but again, it also depends on your marketplace, right? Like, do you really... A web base is great at first, but are they going to appreciate it? Do they need that iOS? So it, it's, again, it's really based on market research as to which way you go. Um, uh, cost and... I Well, also, the, the big thing for me uh, is accessibility, quite frankly. Because web-based is very much accessible to everyone, uh, more so than that of an iOS. Because how many people who may be of uh, uh, mental illness or just need this app would be uh, uh, carrying, like iPhone users? Yeah. Right? So um, there's that uh, was yeah. another primary thing and in it, too. starting out. Like, starting out, though, always go web-based. Always go web-based. I couldn't. And again, it depends too, right? Because for me, we're health-based, right? Meaning we need to have protected servers and we need to make sure that we're uh, health, security, and privacy compliant wherever we operate, what, which is a huge cost, what, potentially. What, what does that mean? So it's called HIPAA and PHIPAA. Yeah. Uh, and essentially that means that the servers that you would store, I don't know, your like photos on for social media or whatnot, don't really care about the security of it. But in regards to health, so medical records as to who you are, records that are very sensitive to you and may be um, taken advantage of or misconstrued in any way, publicized, that's where greater security is needed. And so it's, it's more so government and international and continental health regulation, security, privacy laws. Okay. So, uh, yeah, but that's the thing. I found a great company called MedStack, and they're essentially like a widget where in which you give them your app or your web-based program, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. and they'll make it compliant anywhere. Wow. And they'll find wow. you the servers. It's, it's, they're phenomenal. They do great work. There's a business for everything. Like, there honestly is. It is <laughs> such a good time to be an entrepreneur. It's only going to get better, too. But in terms of this recent explosion, we talked about when we had the coffee of yeah. all these accessible services to build a website, say, takes a day. Oh yeah. To uh, to like an e-commerce store, something that used to take maybe ten thousand dollars of web development maybe ten years ago, is now twenty bucks a month. Just do it on Fiverr. Boom. 
There we go. Every service, social media, or sorry, um, graphic design, even coding to an extent, uh, can be outsourced on these little freelance sites. Like I oh use, my gosh, yeah. I use, um, whoa, what is that? Uh, what is that freelance like marketplace? Fuck, I, I forget. Um, yeah. Anyway, my accountant, my bookkeeper, my coder for my website, for my Shopify store, I found all on this one service. I wish I could remember its name. Wow, so that I could sounds say like a phenomenal service. Ph phenomenal service. <laughs> I couldn't speak more highly of it because it shows all their past records, all their past services. So you can see how well of a job they do. And they're affordable because it's a freelance service and yep. they have to be competitive with the 1,000 other freelance people. Oh, gosh, yeah. Our entire website paid built on this all our books are counting what the hell is it called <laughs> we'll link it in the show notes once Trav thinks about it <laughs> it's really but bugging me so small talk has been launched now feedback has been positive yeah so we've gone November we've, you're uh, sort of in talks with as well hopefully what's, hopefully what's, what's next over the uh, like for for you what's well, happening that's the thing I, we're about to hopefully go into the clinical trial in September uh, or October but again I just really want to find a, a good industry partner, be it with a Jack.org, uh, Movember, uh, CAMH, and I just want to talk with them to see, look, I've done this legwork so far. Why don't you, I'll give you some equity in this and just still keep me on as a director to run this type of thing because that's the one thing in, uh, in charity that really frustrates me. Charities are very... Um, Sorry, not very is a little bit harsh. Charities are uh, set in their ways sometimes in regards to where they receive their funding, be it public public funds. 70, 80% of them are publicly subsidized. Uh, and so that just creates complacency, right? You're not growing. You're not changing in any way yourself. You need to adapt to better serve your users and take that in in any way you wish if that sounds too entrepreneurial if that sounds too harsh what have you but it's a fact you know i've heard the same thing one of one of our close friends she runs this she runs this event every year that raises money for mental health as well and she was telling me i wanted to connect you with her remember i was saying we were doing this oh, event right, this right, in september yes we'll oh, get yes. Your, we'll get word about your app out at this as well, well yeah, yeah we'll you. talk about this but uh yeah no she she had the same feedback uh when i was chatting to her about it she's like we're raising all this money. We want to give it to a charity. <laughs> why does no charity want to take it yeah. from us? Yeah. It's like, why can't we partner up with any of these charities to help us out and, you know, raise money for a good cause? Because it's, again, it's the, long, the longevity of it. And you need to think about it too. There are some charities that pride themselves on being in Canada for over a hundred years. Okay. With that wealth of knowledge that I've, that I hope you've accumulated over those hundreds of years, why don't you go into consulting? Why don't you go to industries and be like, hey, we have something here. Let's collaborate. Let's, let's, let's get some revenue going off of this set. And yes, there is that in a way in regards to community programs and workplace uh, services or whatnot, where in which you see the Morneau Chappelle's pair up with uh, CMHA or CMHA buys out certain programs. But it's just not the same in regards to the um, certain socio-demographic uh, uh, folks, right? Like here like we're currently in what i guess is now called Corktown, but it's actually regent park right like where are these services that is this people, old regent park this is yeah this is regent park yeah and just a few blocks that way was moss park where they actually just took down the city's uh first semi-permanent uh safe injection site 
there so was you see no some news characters of that. around here. Yeah, there are characters around here, but these characters need to, need services. Yeah. Right. And so, where is the entrepreneurial, the go-getter, the actual implementa- implementation of something? It's just disappointing at some points, right? Where in which you're just beating your head against the wall, where you know that there are solutions that could be done, but it's the risk associated with it. And risking the charity's health. Upwork. Upwork. Yes. That's the website. Upwork. Upwork is the website. That you get those freelancers. Sorry, that hit me like a truck uh, right there. No, dude, okay. fair enough. Shout out to Upwork. Shout out Upwork. Uh, yeah. Travis just jumped out of his chair nearly, my goodness. Yeah, sorry, that just flew into my head. I, th- uh, I thought you were naming a new business <laughs> there after what Harry just No, said. no, no, no. <laughs> my brain's real weird. I got a weird nog. Hey, um, weird is cool. Weird you got is a good. weird nog, too. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, weird Heck nogs. Heck A, we do, yeah. Um, I got a big noggin, on the other hand. <laughs> no, we, 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 you had a huge nog, but very normal on the inside. Um, no, we were talking about this. I tried to pair up with a, a uh, anti-pair driving charity, and right. there, there was all this like weird stuff. Like, I was like, "Hey, I got all this money I want to give you over a year." I thought they'd be fired up. They're like, um, "If you want to use our logos, we need five grand up front." Yeah. I'm like, "Hey, buddy, like we made thirty grand this year. How the fuck do you think I'm going to get you five grand? I'll pay you that maybe over time. time. Let me give you money. And I want the agreement that we uh, like I sent to you. And like, like they were like big leaguing me and shit. I was like. Like, I want to give you money yeah. for free. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Well, it's essentially, though, it's a source of revenue, right? Because if you frame it so that it's long-term, that it can forever be there. I just don't know why people don't think of that. I just wanted to do good. So, I, And then I even reached out. Um, so that was mad. Uh, I'm going to name names. Uh, <laughs> and then on, Ontario Students Against Impaired Driving is a high school-based program to educate uh, younger people against impaired driving. Right. And I was like, cool. All right. Later, mad. I emailed Ontario Students Against Impaired Driving. I'm like, I want to give you the money instead. And the email back was, we're currently being acquired by MAD. Oh, Send no. all your donation uh, inquiries into <laughs> MAD. And I just was like, all right, looks like but I'm not. I'm <laughs> but that's a kicker, though, right? Because charities will buy up networks. Yeah. Charities will buy up webs of people and just think that they can get that transferable, consistent income there. But trying to pick out people like that, so generally, it's, God, it's not a sustainable... Yeah, so, like, I'll, I still donate, but I can't say that I do. I can't officially say that I do anywhere. Because they won't give you permission to no, use... it's so insane. That so I just say I donate to, to uh, anti-impaired driving campaigns. Yeah. Let's chat about... You have your own podcast as well. Oh, I do. Yeah, yeah. We need to. I do. Fit it's it's, uh, still it's in uh, it's in its genesis, if you will. So I'm working on the second episode right now, uh, and it's called Sweater Talk. And what's it all about? <laughs> Sweater Talk. It's if you missed earlier in the episode when he Harry said cords? referred to <laughs> if he could uh, if he could walk around in cords and a sweater all day. I think that might have something to do with. Yeah, the, huge the, the sweater name. guy. Yeah, no, I'm all about the layers. You know, it's just. <laughs> It's be it cardigan, be it shawl, be it like, be it. That's the thing. I have an issue with mock neck, but we're not going to get into that in this podcast. That's uh, for sweater Steve talk. Jobs. What what but. what makes me most uh, what the most unbelievable thing about this podcast was not only that one. There's one person as passionate about sweaters as you are, but there's another person that you do this podcast with. Oh right? yeah, yeah. So shout out, shout out, shout out to Evan. That podcast went on for a surprising amount of time. I think that was an hour and 22 minutes. It's currently out now. Check out smalltalk.com. Uh, for some reason, that domain wasn't taken. <laughs> or sorry, sweatertalk.com. <laughs> okay. Um, sweatertalk. Sorry, I got okay. all the talks going on. That's my shtick. Um, 
And what, no. what's what's it about? So yeah, sweater talk. We just talk about sweaters. We talk about sweaters <laughs> okay. and how sweaters can be so versatile. Yeah, they're so underappreciated. But then, of course, we bring it into some sort of social commentary or or uh, thoughts of the day. Yeah. And you so ma- you make like commentary and everything. You bring it all back. Yeah, we bring it all back. Imagine like a nice piece of uh, wool, like just uh, yarns of it, if you will. We're in, in, essentially we're knitting a sweater for a podcast episode in regards to the metaphors I'm and so similes curious. we use. I, I love that. So I gotta curious. listen to this. What is your favorite type of sweater? It's got to be a shawl cardigan, actually. So a nice shawl collar. Um, that, because like, folded it, over a thick A little collar, folded yeah. over, very yeah. thick. Um, I also love, love um, Adidas. Shout out to Adidas. Adidas uh, slim track jackets because they're, like, a very modern shawl collar. And mine has funky uh, neon... Uh, uh, lizards and reptiles on it and so that's what i wear when i'm working in the summer but of course in the winter i wear my thick wool shawl cardigan um with uh cords i have a brown and burgundy <laughs> pair um what about hoodies no not no hoodies? hoodies well hoodie if you're an athlete respect Which if we you're are. if you're if you're traveling um, go for it. But hey, you know what? To each his own. Like for me, I've heard of hoodies. Some folks call them bunny hugs, you know, or and jumpers. So, if you're or jumpers. Ever heard that? So again, it's the, these discussions are what we want on sweater talk. We just want to <laughs> rile. The, we want to get the people going. You know what I mean? Like who is who is a a celebrity right now that is doing their sweater game well? Someone you oh, look well, up to. Well, Diane Keaton, which is a huge call out. Diane Keaton always rocks the turtleneck sweaters. I don't know how she does it. She lives out in L.A. and she's just killing it right now. Um, but again, Army Hammer crushes it with the sweaters. Um, I think he'd just be a very good person based on his sweater collection. From what I've seen him sport, I feel he's a, a good lad. Um, if there's one type of sweater you could get in the world right now and money was no object, what would it be? Oh, man. Oh, that's so tough. Um, this is killing me right now. I'd probably go, <laughs> mi- I'd probably go Mr. Rogers red zip-up cardigan. <laughs> I love it. That's probably the one I – because I was either thinking about that Signed one. Signed by Mr. Rogers himself. Or I was thinking about uh, Kurt Cobain's. Oh, he's uh, got a killer green collection. And, uh, yellow striped. Um, but then there's some notorious sweaters, like the Cosby sweater. That used to be super but like collectors item sweaters. Yeah, they're collectors. Do people before collect he was a sweaters? before he was a real dickhead? Oh, so many people collect sweaters. What are you talking about? Wow. My goodness, that's like a that's a sport. It's a sport. Yeah, to collect sweaters, to go to the right vintage shops in all of Toronto to pick out the right sweater. History Channel, Discovery Channel, if you need a guy to host a sweater-related collection show, here's your man. Oh, actually, I do like those uh, sailor sweaters. The wool ones, like the cable knit ones. You're losing that are ivory. Me. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, see, Robbie knows what's up. I have a decent knowledge of This guy clearly doesn't sweaters. eat pasta with mayo. <laughs> 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 no, but if you want more sweater-related, there is a whole podcast dedicated to it. Uh, All any you sweater, sweater lovers inquiries, out there. Mental health inquiries. If you want to check out Small Talk, we're going to put all the all the stuff in the notes. Is there, is there some sort of thing we can put in there where people can c- connect with you and all yeah, that? Yeah, of course. So just uh, check out the Small Talk website, which is smalltalk.today. Cool. Right. It's different. <laughs> it's weird. So it doesn't have... Sorry, Rico's just chewing on my pocket. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, no. So it's not .com, not .ca. It's smalltalk.today. I just had a riveting conversation with uh, Heritage Canada on telling them that, yes, that is a real email and a real website. Yeah. Please give me money for translation. Heritage so. Canada. Are they like the ones that used to do those commercials? No, that's Hinterland Who's Who. <laughs> Dude, that came so quick for That's because I love those. Every time With they like come on. The aboriginals. They're like, Papa, there's no water in the well. And they'd be like, I guess we're just going to have to migrate north. And then, like, they got a whole caravan going. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. That's so specific. Aren't they only, like, 30 seconds long? That wasn't an actual one. I oh, just... Okay. <laughs> I My just, God. That's what they're always Heritage like. Heritage Canada or Hinterlands Who Who if you a, need somebody. There's always a papa somewhere in there <laughs> and a crisis. And they, Guy they eats mail on his pasta and watches Hinterland. <laughs> but uh, on that note, um, thanks so much for coming on. I'm talking to Rico. Sorry, not you. I'm talking Is there anything Rico. you want to leave thanks, us with Rico. before we wrap things up here? Thanks for letting me pet you this entire time. And All Harry. I got to say is you boys keep on doing what you're doing. This is a heck of a lot of fun for me and probably, well, hopefully a lot funner for the folks who are listening right now so i really hope that people out there with mental health issues do check out your app because i love it i love it i think it's a fantastic idea um and uh i'm sure we'll have updates from you in the future i appreciate that yeah that thanks so much for coming on the show today oh thank you robbie and uh, i guess we'll see you next next, next, next tuesday, tuesday.